enduring military mantra is adapt and overcome. This is a rallying cry for unseen challenges and life's curveballs, and a reminder that dire circumstances will not defeat us. When the mission matters, we rise to the occasion. This podcast combines military veteran experiences, business acumen, and the human spirit for potent solutions to real-world challenges. This episode features Darlene Wilson, aka Cookie RN. Cookie is a West Point graduate, former Army helicopter pilot, registered nurse, and clinical instructor at the University of Texas in Austin. She dropped everything to rest her assignment at Elmhurst Hospital at the epicenter of the COVID-19 outbreak in New York City. Cookie shares her experience on the ground and her perspective as a combat veteran for how to adapt and overcome in the midst of chaos. One of the most amazing things about Cookie is that she was one of the first to raise her hand and ask for an assignment in New York City to battle COVID-19. And for that, we can't thank you enough. And we're so excited to hear your perspectives, both as a military veteran and as an ER nurse on the front lines. So welcome. Thanks, Cheryl. Thanks for having me. And I'm really excited to be able to do this, to help clarify maybe some of the expectations people have coming here and to keep them from being so fearful. So there's two extremes. Um, and I'm happy to answer any questions you have. That's great. Let's just start with what is the situation? What is the environment that nurses are going to be coming into? So um, New York City, uh, I was actually born in the Bronx and um, lived in Yonkers for a while. And then I was raised in Rhode Island. I used to talk like that all the time. I work really hard to enunciate. So I want you to know that when I say things about New Yorkers, I'm not insulting them. Um, they're very dear and near to my heart. And one of the reasons I decided to come here. But um, many people think New Yorkers are unfriendly. I cannot tell you how far different it is. It doesn't matter where I am. They're thankful to have us and they're thankful for everyone who's coming to care for them. But that being said, the, um, the conditions are as best they can be. Uh, there are many, many patients in the emergency department and they all need tending to. Um, it's the most acute. The acute of the acute are in the emergency department. The rest are out in tents being triaged by um, surgeons and neurologists and pediatricians that are all working at the hospital and don't have anything to do right now. So you're going to get the worst of the worst. And there's a whole bunch of intubated. There's a whole bunch on 15 liter non-rebreathers. And they all need meds and they all need compassion. You and other nurses are going into an ambiguous and difficult situation. And I think there may be parallels to soldiers going into their first deployment. I know you've been on multiple overseas deployments. How did you prepare? Yeah, so um, I think it's actually so much the same and so much different. My lens of coming up here was it's going to be like war. It's going to be, I made a really big picture of the impossible, my biggest nightmare. And I knew that I could be pleasantly surprised. Um, it's not a nightmare and it's definitely not war. Uh, I've never seen anything like this. And I truly mean that I've never seen anything like this magnitude and acuity. Um, in war, you get a lot of 
severe injuries and blood. There's no blood here. There are people who can't breathe. And if you can't breathe, you can't live. And I think it's so important for people to understand the management is important and not to be overwhelmed by your assignment because you can get up to 10 patients, but to just organize yourself like you've been taught. Go ahead and um, get all your patients' names, their meds, times, um, interventions. You know, every new patient's going to need an IV. Um, they're gonna, they're not getting fluid like you used to give in, in the ER, you're used to giving people fluid to help with their pressures, but with acute respiratory distress, you can't give, um, you can't get fluids. So be cognizant of what you should do and what you shouldn't do. And always think and realize that as a nurse, we're advocates for the patient. The doctors are overwhelmed as, just like we are and sometimes they make mistakes on what they prescribe. So remember to be kind to one another and we'll work as a great team. I think it's interesting you talked about the doctors being overwhelmed and it sounds like you really need to um, be really attentive and a better partner maybe than ever before to make sure that the patient gets the best care. I think one of the um, greatest challenges is None of us know each other. And when you work in an emergency room and bring a patient back and you look at the doctor and say, I'm going to do a PD asthma protocol, they're just like, go ahead. Um, because those are standing orders and they know what you do and how you do your practice. So they're not afraid. They don't feel as though they have to run over. But now we're in full head to toe garb. All we can see is each other's eyes. Um, we have our names on the top of our face shields. But other than that, that's the only way I know really who I'm talking to. So there's not that continuity that you have in a regular emergency department. This is more like war. You can't see, you can't help, you have to trust each other. And you have to know that we're human and everybody makes mistakes, whether it's us, the nurse, or the physician, the nurse practitioner, or the physician's assistant. So just continue to um, Speak what you're doing. We, and as nurses, we repeat our orders. And if you know an order is not correct, you just go ahead and say, this is what I usually do. Um, there's no room here for being on your high horse and thinking someone's not smart. They're, they may just be tired. How do you build trust in that kind of environment when you are all new to each other? How do you relay that sense of, I've got this? I think... Um, confidence and um, just the way you speak to them. And when, when like you're doing an intubation, we have protocols. And if you, everyone does it the same way, um, you feel good as a cohesive team, even if you don't know each other. Um, calm is so important. And I've seen so much calm during so much adversity, it's so refreshing because then there's no mirror imaging. If no one's getting frantic, no one else is getting frantic. And it's just quite beautiful. How do you move forward when there's, you know, a lot of maybe competing priorities and a lot of confusion, ambiguity? What advice would you give on how you move through that? Well, you know what the orders are that are in the chart. And you have to put eyes on your patients and assess them. 
Um, the head-to-toe assessment is out. Uh, it's focused assessment. You don't have time to do a head-to-toe assessment on every patient. You focus on um, their neuro, you know, their respiratory, uh, check their gut and make sure it's um, soft and tender and then go ahead and do your interventions. You know what all patients are going to need at the start, whether you have orders or not, and then you prioritize. That's what we do best as nurses. We prioritize who needs what first. Um, and they're still trying to get all the processes down, but I think for as crazy as it is, it's really controlled chaos, and I think the doctors, nurses, um, the techs that are doing the EKGs and even some of the volunteers from different floors are really coming together. I look at them, I say, this is what I need, this is the patient's name, and I point out the patient. Make sure you make all of your um, requests as clear and concise and doable as possible. And that's how you work as a team. Yeah, it sounds like you get really focused both at a, a macro level on who, what is the most important thing or the triage, but also at a, on a patient level, you just get really focused on what's critical to observe and, and treat. That's all we can do now is observe and treat. Um, I, I do look in every patient's eye, though. I look at their eyes. And um, one thing about this population that's quite unique is uh, there are not many uh, Americans that are fluent in our language, because we know that you can be an American and you don't have to speak our language because you can take the test in many languages to become a U.S. citizen. So they're the lowest socioeconomic status. If you think of um, they live in, you know, one, two bedroom apartments, multi-generations, and it's one of the reasons COVID is passing on so quickly within that, that population, because the young ones come home with asymptomatic. Um, just want to, you know, change gears a little bit. Uh, how do you recharge after you leave for a shift, from a shift? Oddly enough, um, I took the 36-hour shift instead of the 48 that was offered. And the reason I did that is because I have another job that's almost full-time, and that's teaching at the University of Texas. So I have my students online, and we Zoom, and we talk. And I found that um, discussing some of this, even though it's on more of an academic level, it lets me release some of that which I'm holding in because I can't walk around and tell people exactly what's going on and how it's going on because I want to protect the patient's privacy. So the, the easiest way for me to um, recharge is just speaking with my students and um, getting some of it off my chest. What's the best thing that someone has done for you to get you through a tough moment? Actually, you know, nurses are resilient. Nurses, the profession of nursing is uh, altruistic. And um, I know that we all go here, come here to do good. And so for me, 
I'm more of a, um, a mom type. I'm 56 years old, and the average nurse that I've been coming through here with, they're in their late 20s and early 30s. So, And I finished my psych mental health nurse practitioner. Can't take my exam because everything's closed, so no boards for me right now. But I'm spending more of my time helping the nurses that are crying or personalizing um, a loss. It's more important for me to help them understand that they are helping, that they are making a difference and acknowledging that this is somebody's father, um, son, uncle, brother, sister, and then, you know, mother, you know, whatever, um, male or female to recognize that it's a tragic loss, but to know that you need to move on and help the next person. And that's how, for me, helping others is better for my resilience than um, having somebody help me. Just letting that sink in. I, uh, I'd like to ask you why you chose to go to New York City in the first place? For me personally, it was a no-brainer. You know, the mission at West Point is to, to produce leaders of character for the nation. And it's not just leaders of character for the U.S. Army. It's leaders of character for life. And when I saw a dire position, uh, situation up here, um, I knew that I needed to go. That's, for me, it, it just felt like the right thing to do. And then I learned a couple things that I could... Um, come back to Austin, Texas, and I could teach the other nurses in case it does get difficult in in Austin, Texas. And then when we go back to school, I can actually teach some of the um, nursing students, whether they be um, graduate, NP, or undergraduate, and just let them know that there are challenges in life you might meet, uh, but go ahead and know that there are people who really are there to help each and every one of us succeed for the mission. And that mission, it really isn't any different than the way army, the, the military does a mission. So I knew I had to go and I did. I resigned my position at my hospital to come up here because I was told I couldn't take a leave of absence. Wow. That's some commitment. They'll be happy to get you back. I'm sure. I hope so, but not sure. Uh, tell me what it was like between the time that you accepted the assignment and actually got to New York City. Like, what was that whole process like of all the logistics, all of the orientations and background checks and all that? Can you walk through that? Uh, it was about three days. Uh, it was an incredibly fast paced three to four days uh, because it took a while to get my contract. So my um, recruiter told me the dates I was needed. I told her the date that I could be there. And I started my backwards planning on what I needed to do to get ready before I even got my contract. Once I got my contract, um, I was also given a rapid uh, set of emails that told me all of the modules I needed to complete. And um, it took me probably an entire day to get through all of those. Uh, and I did them right after I got off the airplane and got here in New York City into my hotel room. Got to orientation and it's not like an orient, don't really expect an orientation. Um, I will say the hospital is doing an extraordinary job trying to give an orientation. 
but they give you the best they can. You get the point of care testing, so you're in the system. You get a quick rundown on the system. The system that they're using here for uh, electric uh, charting is Epic. I've never used Epic before, but I've done Compass, which is a Cerner product, and it's pretty much point and click. It's, um, I think it's pretty intuitive. You just click, put your notes in, and while you're working your shift, somebody will give you some tips and tricks, and I think that's how I got my two days. I pretty much think I know Epic now. It's pretty easy. Some good on-the-job training. Yes, you don't get to have... Um, orientation, sit there, get a cup of coffee, and like you would imagine in a regular hospital, this is, we need you in on the front lines working. So here's the basics and go in. So as you were packing, what is one thing that you just had to bring to provide a little comfort or sense of home? Well, I actually brought, I'll show you, um, a blanket my mom made. She's 84 years old and um, she's, she's, um, still knits and crochets and she made these little lap bank blankets for the people she was volunteering for at the hospital uh and i brought one with me and i don't know it just feels like a little bit of mom here my mom was a nurse and um she's very kind and compassionate i'm sure you're doing her proud i hope so do you have any last advice for other nurses? We're going to still have hundreds coming into New York City and their other cities are going to follow that. What is the best way they can prepare and the best way they can be you know, their very best at work? I first want you to know that you're not coming up to have fun. You're truly coming up to take care of others. Um, and it's not about us as the nurses or any of the providers. It's truly about these amazing people in New York City. So if you can focus on the people you're caring on, caring for, and not yourself, I think um, you'll be able to have a much easier transition. I also think you should think about your worst nightmare or situation because I truly can't even explain the magnitude of um, the emergency department, even having been at war. And even though I was not a nurse when I was in Iraq, before we went north uh, into, when I was in Kuwait, before we went north into Iraq, um, they still put me into some of the combat support hospitals because I was the senior public affairs officer for all medical units in theater, and I just worked in the ER. And I can tell you this is so much worse. It's just not bloody, and um, it's respiratory. And we know if you don't have fluid volume, you're not going to live, and if you can't breathe, you're not going to live. So think of that magnitude, and you'll be pleasantly surprised. Um, when you're able to get through it on the first day, and you'll say, yeah, I got this. And you'll do it again the next day. That's right. What kind of helicopters did you fly? I flew Hueys and 58s. Um, so the UH-1 and the OH-58, which is an observational helicopter. Um, so anybody who knows anything about today's helicopters in the U.S. Army, they're in the museums, and I am 56. My brother was also an OH-58 Delta pilot. Yay. And my other brother was an Apache pilot. Well, thank you for their service and thank you for your service because um, I'm talking to another amazing West Point woman here who's asking questions.
Thanks, Cookie. And I also was raised by a nurse, so we have that in common. Aw, that's great. Hey, thanks for joining us. We hope you'll share this with a healthcare worker or a first responder that you care about. Also, we hope you'll subscribe. This podcast was sponsored by TA Group Holdings with a partnership with New West Group. Till next time, adapt and overcome.